said we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 today. If you've got a Bible with you and uh, want to follow along with us, uh, you can turn there. I was reading this past week an article entitled, Five Inventions That Have Changed the World. Now, I realize you've got your list, I've got my list, all right, don't argue with the list. It's just this guy's opinion. So if you've got your favorite invention, you know, you can include it on your list. But here's what he included. Five inventions that changed the world. He says that some would consider the wheel the greatest invention of all time. I'm good with that, right? I appreciate the time on my truck versus hexagons or anything like that. I prefer the smooth ride, so I think the wheel's probably a good number one. Number two on the list was the elevator, or he said more generally mechanisms that enabled vertical transport. He used the example, take the floor of the Roman Colosseum, for example. The floor's been removed, if you see it today, so that you can see the uh, areas underneath the floor where the wild animals were kept, the gladiators, they would, uh, they would be lifted using lifts and an elevator system, these animals and, and the gladiators to the floor. So that, that's one example. Uh, Johann Gutenberg's printing press came in at number three, going back to 1436. His press enabled him to produce printed copies of things like the Bible so that uh, people like you and me could eventually have our own personal copy uh, of the word of God. Vaccines in general were number four. Vaccines have saved countless lives around the world over the years, last on the list, but certainly not least, you probably guessed it, the computer, like these trendy Macs. Anybody ever have a Mac like this sitting uh, on your desk? Maybe you remember these things. What aspect of modern society has not been influenced or shaped in some way like the computer? And not just the computer, I'd add one more, certainly the mobile phone, even this iPhone 7 that I'm still hanging on to, to still rocking. But uh, you know, the mobile phone, when you think about it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, what it's capable of doing that with this device, you're no longer limited to a desktop. You're no longer limited to a particular location. You can access information anytime and from anywhere. You can have a conversation with somebody in a moment's notice anywhere around the world. You can listen to music. You can watch your favorite TV shows. You can waste your life watching TikTok videos all day long. I mean, again, it's a pretty spectacular vice. But here's the thing, like a phone, a phone like this is of little to no value if it's not charged. And so that's why I plug my phone into an electrical outlet every night because the battery's horrible on it, all right? Uh, I plug it in every night and power from the power plant runs through the power lines which run into our home and into my phone and I do that every night and that power charges the phone so that it's ready to go the next day. All right, we're continuing in a series today called Scent. We've been studying through the book of Acts together this year. Acts is a history book, all right, that begins with the ascension of Jesus into heaven. This is post-resurrection and then continues really by telling the stories of these early followers of Jesus Christ and of the church. And so we've been studying this book together, again, thinking about what it means to follow Jesus in 2023 here in this world. And today, I wanna talk to you about what it means to live a fully charged life a life that is filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you've been reading along in the book of Acts with us, you've seen how Luke describes people doing life as they are empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important to point out from the beginning here that there's a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit that we see described over and over again in Acts. Here's what I mean. When you became a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you became a Christian, God gave you the gift 
of his Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Paul describes in Ephesians chapter one, uh, beginning in verse 13, he says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you were believed, you were marked in him with a seal, a permanent seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is God's deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption, those who are God's possession. Like I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and was baptized when I was 12 years old. I received the gift of God's presence in that moment, his Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. The same is true of you. Uh, if you've invited Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the gift of his presence in your life. That's why the Bible talks about your body being like a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, contrast the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with what is referred to in Acts as the filling of the Holy Spirit, because it's one thing to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. It's another thing to be filled, to be empowered, to be directed by the Holy Spirit in our everyday living. And that's what we see happening over and over again in the book of Acts to these first Christians in places like Acts chapter two, verse four, when it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four, verse eight, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they meet, were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. See, it's one thing to receive the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to be filled and empowered by the Spirit, living by the Spirit. And here's what I want you to know this morning. God wants both of them for you. He wants both of these things for your life. He, he wants everyone to put their faith in Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it's also his desire that you and I will be filled and empowered and moved and directed and motivated by the Spirit each and every day. See, the Holy Spirit can be this unique source of power that we tap into and live by as followers of Jesus. It can, it can do things like it, it can empower you and me to know God's will for our life and the decisions uh, that we make. The Holy, the Holy Spirit can help us overcome temptation, uh, can help us pray more effectively, to be able to know and read and meditate on God's word and to think about what this means for my life and how to apply it in, in various situations. The Holy Spirit can give us power and strength to do what we could never do on our own, to go through seasons of life that we could never possibly manage and get through all by ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul could write in Philippians chapter four that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This was Paul's way of describing what the Holy Spirit can do in and, and through his people. And so just as it's possible, though, to live this better Holy Spirit-empowered kind of life that I'm describing, I need to also point out that it's possible to quench the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, for example, regular, repeated disobedience and sin can slow the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. It's why things like confession and repentance are an important part of abiding in Jesus Christ and our daily walk with the Lord and the way uh, just kind of as we grow in, in spiritual maturity and, and character, like confessing our sins, you know, repenting of our sins. It's why, why David prayed in Psalm chapter 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew your spirit in my life. And so sin can slow down the work of the Holy Spirit through us. Faithfulness and obedience and trust make way for the Spirit to work more powerfully in all that we do. And as Christians, 
God then has equipped us. We know, we have this confidence that he has equipped us with everything that we need to live faithfully for him. His spirit can give us greater faith and courage to live and to serve him each day in this world. This is a big part of what it means to be sent. You know, as we talk about what it means to be sent by Jesus into this world, like living by his spirit and trusting his guidance each day is a big part of that. But just as you and I can receive the spirit and be filled with the spirit, it's also possible to go about our Christian lives and not be filled and not be empowered by the spirit at all. Because just as even things like this mobile phone can be drained and be far less effective. We're not gonna be as effective. We're not gonna be as satisfied if we're not continually living and being renewed by God's presence, his Holy Spirit in us. And so Acts chapter eight today, uh, Steve covered the first half of Acts eight last week. We're gonna begin in verse 26 today and go all the way to the end. One more week looking at the life of Philip. Uh, Philip's a great example of what the Holy Spirit can do in and through your life. And we first meet Philip in Acts chapter six when he he volunteered for a program to help feed widows. Uh, Acts chapter six, verse three explains how Philip was filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning he had trusted Christ with his life and received the gift of the Holy Spirit once and for all, but his life was also evidence that he was growing in his relationship with the Lord and trusting him each day, empowered by the Spirit. And right away, I want you to consider how it all started with a yes for Philip. There, there was a need in the church community that he was a part of. Philip said, yes, I'm here to help. I'll help with food distribution. And that yes opened the door for God to do some incredible things through his life. Here, do you wanna experience more of God in your life? I mean, you wanna see more of God working in and through you. Let me just challenge you as a, and say, look for ways of saying yes to him. Like look for ways of saying yes to the Lord. I mean, Philip said yes to God and it paved the way for God to do even more through him. And this is just one of the reasons why I think it's so important for every single one of us that would call Genesis our church to be a, a serving part, to play a role in this church family. Because you know, caring for a two-year-old and gen kids might not seem like a big deal. Spending the weekend with middle school or high school students could seem a little inconvenient. Welcoming others into the parking lot on a Sunday morning or into our building at the doors might not seem like your thing. Inviting people into your home for a small group might cost you some time, but it matters. Like it matters to the people that you serve. It matters to the families that are impacted through it. Most importantly, it matters to God because here's what I think. I think God took note of Philip's yes and availability and declared, that's a life I can use. I'll use him. I'll use a person like this. I, I can work with, with someone like that. And that's where it began for Philip, food service. But over time, as we continue in Acts 8, God led him away from Jerusalem and into Samaria to a group of people that were historically despised by the Jews. But that's not gonna stop the Holy Spirit from working through Philip because as Steve pointed out last week, God did some incredible and amazing things in his life. See, saying yes to God, even in the relatively minor things, lets God see that you're willing, that you're available, that you're humble, that you're flexible, that nothing is too great, there is nothing too small for him, that you are ready to be led by him. 
And so the first part of Acts 8 describes this growing successful ministry in Samaria, but God's about to ask Philip to do something even bolder. Let's pick it up in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We read, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet and the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip said yes to the Lord in Jerusalem. He's saying yes to God and to going to Samaria, but now God through an angel is asking Philip to leave Samaria and to travel by a desert road to Gaza. And there are two important words that we see here in verse 26 that I wanna make sure that you see. And they're the words desert, road. And we can't appreciate the context, but Philip would, because here's what Philip would realize, that God's inviting him to the middle of nowhere. Why go to the desert? Why go down this desert road? He's inviting Philip to leave, if you remember the first part of Acts chapter 8, enthusiastic crowds of people in Samaria and to go and meet someone who will supposedly be hanging out in the middle of the desert. Sounds a little ridiculous to us. How does Philip respond? His response is extremely important in verse 27, the verse few words. What does it say? It says, so Philip, he started out. In other words, he obeyed. He just obeyed. Philip didn't fight. There was no struggle. There was no demanding an explanation. There were no questions. God called, God commanded, and Philip obeyed. This is one more example of what it means to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. Philip made it a priority to obey. A big part of following, living, being filled with the spirit, igniting that work in your life is daily obedience. It's regular obedience to what the Lord would have. He was surrendered, Philip was, to God's leadership in his life. He was learning to listen to the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. And what an incredible lesson for all of us. All right, every single one of us. As God called Philip into the desert, like let's just be aware that he's capable of using all sorts of places and people and circumstances that we would never expect. Like, don't be surprised if God has you on a desert road uh, of your own right now. Like, we all go through the desert. You know, we all go down these desert roads. Like, your job right now might feel like a desert road. Uh, your, your marriage... Uh, your, your parenting might seem like a desert road. Maybe you stay at home with your kids and, and there are some days where you wonder, is this worth it? Like, you know, if you do that, it, it can get a, a little lonely and feel a little bit like the desert sometime. Your, your, your diagnosis might feel like a desert road. Uh, your recovery right now, you, you could be in a class at school or on a campus right now. You can't wait to get out and to move on with your life because it feels a lot like the desert. Maybe you're out of work. Maybe you're recovering from an ugly divorce and it kind of feels like the desert. God sent Philip into the desert, but pay attention because God does some amazing work in the desert. All throughout scripture, the desert, the wilderness plays an extremely important part in God's work in and through our lives. And with Philip, well, God's orchestrating a pretty remarkable encounter. Keep, keep this in mind. God, God might be planning something special for you 
in your desert experience, maybe a divine encounter of your own. And if we'll let him, if we'll say yes to him, if we'll learn to do what we see Philip doing, you might get a front row seat to some amazing, incredible work from God. Why Philip? That's fair to ask. Like, what's so special about him? Let's not make it complicated. Philip is just an example of somebody that's learning to listen to the voice of God, which isn't an easy thing to do. It takes practice. It takes maturity. It takes friends. It takes a church family to learn to do that. But if the spirit said right, Philip went right. If the spirit said left, he went left. Philip was intent on obedience. He was flexible and sensitive to the spirit's direction. Lloyd Ogilvie says this about obedience and listening to the voice of the spirit. He says, the Lord of all creation has ordained that he would do his work through us. Our seeking the spirit's guidance and obeying what he wants us to do and say is the way he works to bless the world. See, God loves working through his people and he especially loves working through those who are obedient, those who are willing and ready to respond to his voice. And so Philip listened. Philip listened to the spirit and went into the desert, but there's something else we see about his spirit-filled life because Philip's life had been radically changed by Jesus. All right, make no doubt about that. He had personally encountered the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the fuel, that's the motivation behind him. But not only did he enjoy or desire this for himself, but he wanted others to see and experience the same thing as well. Like imagine then how his heart must have jumped when he went into the middle of the wilderness and wouldn't you know it, there's a guy in the chariot with his entourage just as the angel commanded. Verse 27 again, it says, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Again, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so we get some details here that are also important to this account from Luke. There's a chariot and Luke describes that it's a financial minister of the Candake dynasty of the kingdom that was known at the time as Ethiopia. Now this shouldn't be confused with just specifically the country we know of in Africa today as Ethiopia because back then uh, Ethiopia was a much larger territory in Africa encompassing most of everything south of Egypt. So this is a very large empire, a man with a lot of responsibility and influence. He also lets us know that this man was a eunuch. And traditionally, let's just say that a eunuch was someone who willingly gave up their boy parts so as to assure that there would be no funny business with someone like the queen in the palace. And I don't know how you see it. I once heard somebody say, I'd do anything for the promotion or for the job or whatever. I think there's a line, right? And, uh, but for some reason, this guy's willing to cross it. And, uh, and so whatever. But something else about this man, he's from Africa, meaning he's a Gentile, not a Jew. Add to that he's in the process of completing a 1,000 plus mile round trip journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. And get this, the Old Testament talks about how eunuchs they didn't have the right to go into certain parts of the temple. There was a limitation to how they could experience God. There's a whole bunch of things happening here. But why did he make this trip? He's lost, spiritually hungry, seeking, much like many who live in our world right now. People you know, maybe some of you here today, 
Just think about your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, the world, right? Can we all agree? Is full of searching people, looking to put all of the pieces together. And that doesn't mean that your friend is necessarily curious about Jesus, or at least yet, but I bet you have friends, I bet you've got people in your life that are looking for meaning and significance in just about anything. Like think about how often we go looking for answers in things like a career or a relationship. People latch on to a social cause today and that becomes their thing or a political movement and quickly make it their God. So many today are looking for significance in something like identity, sexual identity. You can put your faith in just about anything. This man from Africa was looking for answers and as a royal official, he had access to anything and everything that the world at the time had to offer. Nothing could satisfy him, although somewhere along the way, he had an encounter with the God of heaven and it piqued his curiosity so much that he's willing to make a 1,000 plus mile round trip to Jerusalem. And he can't even go all the way in. Verse 29. It says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading the Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he asked or said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. It comes from Isaiah chapter 53. He was like a sheep led, uh, excuse me, led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. And then Luke records the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip, began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. What was the man reading? He was reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And in my opinion, there's no other passage like it in the Old Testament that better describes what Jesus accomplished for us when he went to the cross. And that's what the Ethiopian was reading. And now Philip is there and gets to be with him. And what was Philip's response to the Ethiopian's question? Look what it says. As the text says, beginning with that very passage of scripture, Philip told him the good news of Jesus Christ. And as one filled and empowered by the Spirit, we know that Philip practiced obedience. He was listening to the Spirit's voice. I think we also see here that he's also motivated by the gospel. He's motivated by the good news of Jesus. Like the good news changed and was still changing Philip's life in perspective. And one indication that we know that the good news was changing Philip's life was that he was ready, his readiness to share the good news of Jesus with others because that's what followers of Jesus do. That's what it means to be sent by Jesus into this world even in 2023. We're here to shine light. We are here to give hope. We are to, here to talk about our faith and talk about the difference that, that Jesus means. We, we realize that our lives have been changed by the good news of Jesus and therefore we want the good news to change others too. It's why we're praying this everyday prayer as a church. And uh, we've got this on our website. You've heard us pray this. We've talked about this. Some of you are praying this each day where we're just committing to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for saving me. I want you to do for others what you've done for me. Use me today to help others know you. That's the life that Philip's living. The God gospel had changed his life. The good news had changed his life and because he was available because he's listening to the gift of the Holy Spirit God orchestrated this divine encounter with a man who was searching and ready and thankfully Philip was willing and ready as well and once again 
we're reminded of something remarkable about God. And that is that he loves working through his people. He loves working through his people, people like Philip, people like you and, and me, like especially when you consider he doesn't need Philip. I mean, why send Philip in the first place? I mean, God sent an angel, just send the angel. If you can get Philip's attention in Samaria with an angel, why not just send an angel to meet this Ethiopian man somewhere else? But God loves to use his people. He loves to use people like you and me to draw attention to Jesus. Eugene Peterson captures, uh, I would say, the beauty of this in a book that I have on my shelf, a book that's important to me. It's entitled Under the Unpredictable Plant. And in that book, uh, Peterson, a former pastor, talks about being used by God and how he learned to trust God even as a pastor. And he recalled one time that he was on his way to the hospital to be with a family that was in crisis. Like you, you make that drive as a pastor and you can't help but wonder, like what in the world am I going to say? Like what difference am I going to make in this particular moment? And I've certainly had moments like that. I recall one when we were living in Louisville, there was a young couple that I had married and then about a year later they had already had a baby and their baby died in its crib. And so I, I'm on my way to the hospital to be with them. My agony is nothing like the agony they're going through, but you agonize a bit on that drive of how in the world could God use me in a situation like this? But one day something clicked for Peterson that has had an impact on my life as he realized that anytime he went walking into the hospital room, Jesus was already there. And it wasn't Peterson's job to take Jesus into the room. It wasn't his job to make sense of what was happening. It wasn't his job to change anybody's heart. It was his job to simply point to Jesus, to keep pointing people to the power of the resurrected Jesus. And that's what Philip's doing. Jesus was already working in the Ethiopian man's life but he utilized Philip's obedience. That's our job too, every day. You don't have to change anybody's heart. Just keep pointing people to Jesus. Let people see Jesus in your actions. Let people see Je Jesus in your words. Let people hear about Jesus through your story and the way that you're, you're attempting to live life. Let people see Jesus in your generosity. Find ways to point people to Jesus. That's what Philip's doing, verse 36. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The Ethiopian heard the truth about Jesus and he believed. And the fascinating thing is that not only did he believe in the message of Jesus, but he's ready to be baptized. And what he understood about baptism is what I think is important for us to understand about baptism. The Bible teaches that baptism is a picture of somebody who has passed from death to life. It is somebody that has put their faith in Jesus Christ and now demonstrating and declaring their desire to follow him through baptism. Going under the water in baptism is like the burial. It's like the same burial that Jesus experienced. Coming up out of the water is a picture of new life, being raised to new life as Jesus was raised to new life. It's why we declare Romans chapter 6 verse 
verse 11 at our baptism services here at Genesis. The baptism reminds us that we are dead to our sins, but we are raised to life, new life in Jesus Christ. And what we see in Acts chapter eight is what I believe that God wants for every single one of us, that we trust Jesus with our lives. That's what saves us, all right? That's what's most important. But we are baptized as soon as possible as a symbol of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. And that's why we say then that baptism is an act of obedience. It's a declaration of what Jesus has done for you and how you desire to live for him. In fact, I'd point out the normal practice of the New Testament church, and you're going to see this over and over again in Acts, is that baptism happened immediately after conversion. In fact, the New Testament doesn't even entertain the idea of an unbaptized follower of Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you, some of you, many of you, to be here to celebrate with us on Sunday, April the 30th, as we're going to celebrate baptisms as a part of our worship service, but I also believe there are some of you here today that are going to get baptized on Sunday, April the 30th, because if you've invited Christ into your life and you've never been baptized, baptism is your next step. All right, some of you are gonna make a decision to trust and to follow Christ over the next few weeks and baptism is your next step on Sunday, April the 30th. We call it a celebration. We have a lot of fun with it here at Genesis because we believe it's the most important decision that you can make to trust Christ but being able to celebrate that with your friends and with your church family and to declare that with your own life is so important to you. Some of you here have received Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're following Jesus but you've never been baptized before. I wanna invite you and encourage you to get baptized on Sunday, April the 30th with our church family. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Your parents had the very best intentions in having you baptized as an infant. I also think there's something very important about you willingly making that decision for yourself. You know, and maybe something like, that's something like that some of you would want to consider. Now, now, even at your age, to be baptized as you make the choice of I am declaring my desire to follow Jesus. We're gonna have a class on Sunday, April the 20th third. We'll talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. If you've got any questions, you just want to learn a little bit more about baptism, we'd invite you to be a part of that with us. But the Ethiopian was baptized. Philip got to play a really special part in it. Verse 39, it says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So kind of this Star Trek kind of teletransport thing that I don't understand. All right, we'll get more answers in heaven one day to figure out how that worked. All right, but it says the eunuch did not see him again. But what did he do the Ethiopian he went on his way rejoicing verse 40 Philip however appeared at Azotus and traveled about look what he was doing preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea so the Ethiopian first what did he do the text says he went away rejoicing he's full of joy I think the answer is simply it's Jesus it's Jesus in his life he found what he had been looking for and now and if you follow some of the history and some legend around his life, he's gonna play a key role in taking the gospel beyond Jerusalem and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is Acts chapter one, verse eight, being played out before our eyes. And Philip is gone too, again, still being led by the Holy Spirit, still preaching the gospel along the way. Philip lived a life filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and what God did for him and through him is what he wants for every single one of us, all of us here today. He's looking for men, he's looking for women, he's looking for students, he's looking for those who are retired, single, newly married. He is looking for people, men and women, who will say yes to him 
people that are daily abiding in Jesus Christ, meditating on God's word, listening to God's voice, motivated by the gospel and what it has done for me and what I believe it can do for someone else. Philip is a great example of the spirit-filled life. Jesus, on the other hand, he's the perfect example of the spirit-filled life because Jesus said yes to the Father's call when he took on flesh and came to earth to be with us. He obeyed his Father in all things and because he was fully dependent on the Spirit with every part and every day of his life, there was no sin in his life. And Jesus listened to the Spirit on many occasions, all occasions, including a road that he was called to. Not a desert road like, the Phil, like Philip, but a road into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, where the people celebrated and they cheered, their king had arrived, but Jesus knew that Friday was coming. He knew that death was before him at the end of the week. But that didn't stop Jesus because he died on our behalf. And why did he do that? Because he loved God and because he also understood the extent to which God loves every single one of us. And he lived a perfect life, a spirit-filled life, and the same spirit that was working in Jesus is the same spirit that is available to you and me today, even right now. Philip lived, Jesus lived a spirit-filled life, and we, we can too. And I don't know what your response is today. I don't know how God is leading or moving you this morning. That's up for you to decide. I mean, maybe there's a prayer you need to pray. Maybe there's a decision you need to make in your life today. We're gonna sing a song here in just a moment. Maybe the words of that song are going to take on a whole different meaning for you this morning and be like a prayer in your life. But before we close, before we sing this last song, you know, there, there are so many lessons we could take away from any of these chapters and certainly chapter eight. But one more thing from this particular story today that I think demonstrates something pretty powerful, and that's the extent that God is willing to go to reach one person. I mean, God orchestrated this divine encounter in the wilderness between Philip and a man from Ethiopia. And if God would do that for this man, do you have any idea the lengths that God is willing to go for you? The people that he's put in your life, the way he's providing for you right now, the very fact that he brought you into this room today. God loves you. He has been pursuing you. The spiritual hunger that maybe you've been going through, it isn't by accident. And it's God. Jesus is the answer. He's created you for more. And he offers that to you today. Let's pray together. And God, we do thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that we could have life and live it to the full. And we are trusting you for your work in our hearts and minds today that whatever you need to do, you will do here right now in each of our lives. And for some this morning, that's a decision to say, I, I want to trust Jesus. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And some of you need to do just that today wherever you are, to pray to receive and trust Christ. There's no greater decision you can make. That, that is the most important decision you can ever make. And 
And we'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be up front afterwards. Others will be up front. We'd love to talk or pray with you about that today before you go. Maybe some of you today, maybe you're sensing God's leadership in your life that it's time to get baptized. That's something that you've been putting off or maybe something you're hearing about just for the first time or the first time in a long time. We'd love to celebrate that with you. And, and God, if you're needing to do that in somebody's life today, we pray that they would respond to that. They'd be willing to take that next step. And again, let us know how we can help. We'd love to talk or pray with you in that. But for others, Lord, we, we all realize like we, we want more of you and we certainly know that you want more of us. And so I pray that our response today would be like that of Philip, of like Jesus, willing and humble and obedient, hungry for more, trusting you with more, that saying yes to you in daily obedience and listening to your spirit, Lord, motivated by the good news that it would be our passion, just as it was Jesus' passion. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.